Hi, this is Jay Bear of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. This is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. Randy Frisch couldn't be with us today, unfortunately, but we have not one, but two amazing guests for you today. In this episode, we are speaking with Jessica Jensen, who is the Global Director of Digital Marketing and Strategy at Qualcomm, and Tuck Ross, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Synchrony. Now, together, they co-host their podcast, Social Currency, which covers all of the hottest digital and social media topics that matter for your business. So definitely go check out their podcast after you listen to this episode. Now, today's conversation is all about making changes within organizations and making sure our teams are ready for and open to change as well. Now, we talk a lot on this podcast about how the best in business are creating content strategies and achieving marketing greatness, but sometimes in order to do that, we really have to look internally first and make sure our organizations are ready to make those strategies a reality and that our teams are prepped for that as well. And every so often, and actually all too often, really, we are stepping into new roles or having to create new titles because content is still finding its way and settling in. And we actually, whether we realize it or not, are some of the biggest instigators of change within our organizations. And this is where a lot of us feel the most friction within our day-to-day. It's not actually doing our jobs. It's actually making sure that we work with coworkers or we're finding the right spot within the organization or we're finding our champions. Thankfully, Jessica and Tuck have a ton of experience and amazing advice about how to actually create meaningful organizational change so that we can help our organizations and ourselves and our teams be the best that they absolutely can be with our digital marketing and content marketing efforts. So without further ado, let's go ahead and say hi to Jessica and Tuck and hear what they have to say. Jessica and Tuck. Thank you both so much for being on today. I'm really excited to talk to you too. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited. I know. So it's kind of funny. We're in like three different locations, but actually not that far away from each other. So Tuck, you're in Palm Springs right now. Jessica, you're in San Diego. I'm in Phoenix. Um, but you two spend a lot of time talking to each other. You have a podcast together, uh, which is an amazing podcast. But let's go ahead and get everybody uh, to know a little bit more about you. So Jessica and Tuck, if you wouldn't mind, Telling everybody a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, I'll, I'll start start it off. So Jessica Jensen, I'm the global director of marketing at Qualcomm in San Diego, um, and I specifically focus on digital marketing here. So I look after things like social media, um, our website, um, our podcast here at Qualcomm. Uh, yes, we do have one, and uh, you know, search that type of stuff. So. Yeah, um, that's me, and I've lived here for about six years. Um, I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, and um, Tuck and I met uh, in business school at Pepperdine in uh, LA. Yeah, and hey, I'm Tuck, and um, 
Jess and I, as she mentioned, we go way back and we actually just had reconnected just a little over a year ago after not talking for a long time and said, hey, we should start a podcast. So that's sort of how that came about because we have so many similar interests uh, and it just rekindled what we had connected back in grad school about. Um, so I'm Tuck and I'm the SVP of consumer marketing at uh, Care Credit, which is part of Synchrony, third largest uh, credit card company in the US, largest private label credit card issuer. Um, so lots in, uh, in terms of banking and finance, um, which, you know, on the face may sound a little snoozy, but is actually uh, pretty exciting and uh, in a space that's going through a ton of disruption, especially as you look at healthcare and finances put together. Um, but, uh, you know, always been about the consumer, come from Disney, Hasbro, uh, Guitar Center, a few little startup type environments as well. And I've um, always just really been interested about the consumer journey and what they care about and how they shop. And, um, and you know, interestingly, a lot of those things apply across the board. So um, it's been a fun, uh, it's been a fun trip and um, really enjoying what we, what we get to do every day. Nice. Um, I totally hear you on customer journey and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's so much fun to... Um, actually illuminate all of the brains when you work in a company with like the customer journey and they're like, Oh, that's how they actually interact versus how we think they interact. Uh, that's always a fun conversation to have. Um, so you two both have incredibly diverse backgrounds, a lot, just a ton of amazing brand experience between the two of you. And part of that, obviously your experience is coming into organizations and um, really, for lack of a better term, plussing up their digital, right? And making sure that brands are doing the best they possibly can. And at the end of the day, there's sometimes only so far that the best strategies uh, can do for a brand. And a lot of times we have to start looking internally and making some changes. Um, sometimes some of these, the best strategies really need a lot of internal organizational change, which you two have a ton of experience with. So just out of curiosity, um, a lot of people are going through these sort of uh, struggles right now with content marketing and coming in and being new. How have you sort of come into organizations and made that change for the good instead of just saying, well, here's the best strategy possible? How have you actually made that change internally and gotten people, one, to buy in to being the best they could be digitally? And then two, making sure that that structure is in place. Yeah, I mean, this is a huge challenge. And I would imagine any organization, small, medium, large, um, uh, as long as there are people working there, there is always complexity. <laughs> um, my first job out of college at the age of 21 was a small boutique agency in Portland um, with nine people. And, you know, we all got along almost like a family. It was a great first job. But even there, you know, there's personalities and different styles. Um, so, you know, I think making change is really hard. And um, regardless of the size of the organization, however, clearly larger companies are going to have a bit more um, sort of a bureaucratic nature, um, perhaps processes in place that maybe are legacy, um, and, you know, siloing of departments with different sort of objectives and, and perspectives on how to get things done. So that, that probably does exacerbate a bit with larger companies because there's just more people. Um, but, you know, I've always felt like the, the approach that I hope to take and I try my best to take is around building relationships first, because, you know, in general, people, they hire people they want to work with, they pick people for their teams they want to work with, and they often will buy into an idea or help you shepherd it if they think that you're someone they want to spend time with. 
Um, so I try to build relationships in advance of needing uh, help from somebody or, um, or in advance of trying to sell something in. Um, and you know, that, that often is a, at least a foundation where there's a rapport there. Um, and it also can breed really good input. I mean, if you have, you've broken down those barriers of the kind of formality that, you know, initially, you know, you often uh, have when you don't have a relationship quite yet, you often can really elicit some nice brainstorming and some collaboration and really, um, up-level your idea, whatever it might be to a place that it, you wouldn't have been able to do on your own. So it's kind of a win-win. I was going to jump in and just, you know, Jessica, your points are right on. I mean, relationships are so key to, I think, any organization. Um, a lot of my background has come from um, very matrix, heavily matrix organizations. And if you don't have the relationships, you literally can't get anything done because um, so many different elements have to have joint buy-in or collaboration um, and a lot of compromise, honestly, about what someone's ultimate vision may be and how they have to flex to accommodate um, the, the joint plan. And so... Um, I think that's a big piece of, of any of that. And, and when I bring in team, I always look for that type of skill set, more the soft skill set, uh, the EQ, as it were. Um, the assumption, I think, at a lot of levels is that you know how to do the job. Um, tell me that on the paper and kind of demonstrate that. But um, having the softer skills about um, how to think, how to take risks, how to be flexible and adaptable in an environment, how you build relationships, especially in a matrix um, type of uh, arena, I think is really critical to the space these days. And by the way, those are things that are not going to come from robots in the future. So like if you need somebody just to chop shop, like robots will do that. But like if you want a strong team, you have to have development of the, that softer skill set um, and, and look for things like team fit, right? And, and it comes back to really just basic, sometimes breaking down the walls is all about just the communication, the FaceTime, and making sure that people are getting together to powwow about the vision of where everything needs to go together. Yeah, it's so crazy how even just the imbalance of one person's attitude can shift and upset the whole balance. And it just throws everything into such chaos. And it's just, it's so amazing how undervalued, I think a lot of, Tuck, exactly what you're saying, the soft skills, the EQ, how undervalued that is. And that doesn't come through on resumes. So how do you kind of fish that out in terms of like hiring for a good fit and making sure that um, the team is balanced. And, and this question, absolutely for both of you, because I know you both are responsible for teams. I can jump in first. I think, um, you know, you have to rely a lot on, on the resume to start out with and, and field and filter some of that. Um, but, you know, I think it comes down to once you get a few people in the door, um, you have to really spend the time and see how they interact with different people and really get that 360. And that's where I rely, especially in like an interview process with the, the collaborators that you have on different teams, not just your own team. So you have that 360 view of how they would interact with someone that you, you know, need to cross the border with, as it were, um, as much as they would uh, on the on the team itself. Yeah. And this is also where I think word of mouth is still so powerful. And I don't know if it'll ever actually go away or be replaced by, you know, uh, the Yelps of the world. Um, I, I, I think that part of the reason that we tend to bring resumes to the top of a pile when we're hiring that are referred by someone that we know or even a, a secondary connection is because there's a bit of that Im implication already built in that they're probably a decent person. Um, most people won't put their name on the line and recommend someone that they don't have some relationship with or haven't interacted with um, on some level. And, and so that, kind of, even if it's a weak endorsement or a loose connection, I think that's still far more than 
just a piece of paper with words on it. Um, and it helps, I think, just kind of narrow the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am always a big fan of taking um, word of mouth recommendations or even, you know, um, people who even loosely know some other people. So I think that's always a good way to go. Um, Jessica and Tuck, I want to keep talking about some change and then start getting into some very specific examples of some ways that you've both interacted change because um, you both are at uh, very well-known brands, very big companies. So uh, we are going to take a quick break before we jump into that though. So everybody stick around with us with Jessica and Tuck and we will be right back talking more about organizational, organizational change and uh, leading teams. Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at Convince and Convert. Com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Content Experience Show podcast. And we are here with Jessica and Tuck. So we are talking about organizational change and um, change management and working with teams. So I'm just curious. So we've been talking a lot about like making shifts and changes and, and some of the ways to do that. But have either of you tried to enact some change or um, pivot the team or even pivot a way of doing something? And maybe it didn't work out. Maybe the efforts were less than successful, but you learned something really valuable from it. Yeah, I can jump in. Um, I think this is one of those scenarios that you just, as a, as a leader in a business, you just assume that change is constant. And so building that into the ethos of the team is helpful. Um, there's no such thing as business as usual, as it were. Uh, when I was at Hasbro, uh, massive you know, TV advertising business to sell toys, right? And it's a, it was a proven model at the time. Um, and yet Facebook had introduced advertising for the first time and it was very cool and being part of the digital team and running digital strategy, you want to go try those things. Um, the business wasn't ready for it, right? Uh, you go and you say, Hey, I need a budget for this. And they say, no, uh, because we know that when we turn on TV, you can sell toys. Um, of course, Facebook at that time was a little bit of a toy itself. Like it was a social network and there wasn't necessarily a proven business value to it. So this type of thing, when you think about change in an organization, um, you know, changing a media plan that is proven, successful, a known entity is very comfortable. Um, it's hard for a business to accommodate moving out of a comfort zone into something that's unknown. So we got to a really good place where after many conversations and honestly, a lot of uh, spending time winning support and then building business cases, even with Facebook, we got to the point where we could run a pilot. Um, to prove the case, which was successful, so we could start to increment that budget over time, um, pulling away from the very successful and very safe TV budget. So I think um, it's interesting to see how organizations respond to that. But I would just suggest if you're going into that type of scenario, always think about change as difficult because it is easy for people to be comfortable and stick with what's known. 
And treating each scenario as a pilot, as a test, is a good way to move forward to say, you know what? doesn't work, we'll pull back. But let's try this thing because it's new. And we want to always be making sure that we're paying attention to what's new. Oh, I love that. Yeah, especially like, it's so hard sometimes, especially like you said, when people are comfortable with what they're doing, or like when things are working, sort of that mentality of like, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, Of just being like, hey, we want to just try this and see what happens. Just a tiny little piece. Let's just take baby steps. Like I feel like totally people get so much more positive reception to that than being like, Hey, this is the next big thing. And if we don't do it, we're going to lose out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to shift, make that big of a shift. Yeah. And exactly. this has to do too with, with knowing your audience, uh, your internal audience when you're trying to affect change, you know, I, again, this goes back to kind of larger companies that perhaps have been doing something for a while and there's more of an institutional sort of acceptance of that. Um, I think that's harder, right? You've got people who, again, are perhaps fearful of change. And I've also learned if you're the one enacting or suggesting the change versus you're the one being a recipient of said change, those are very different positions. Yeah. if, If you don't know what's coming or you haven't bought into it or this is the first or second time that you've heard about this, there's almost an immediate sort of like, hold up, hold up you know, I need time. I'm not ready. And that's different than if you're the one who's been, it's been percolating in your mind for six months and you've been researching and talking to others about it. You know, you're ready. You're ready. Let's do it. Let's go. So I think, um, being cognizant of, you know, is, are there already, again, a lot of folks that are very comfortable with kind of the way it was or the way it is and how do you bring them along at a pace that's comfortable to them? Um, I love the idea of, you know, positioning it as a pilot um, kind of an experiment, so they're sort of like not a lot attached to it if it doesn't work. Um, but I think for me, also just being patient and knowing that everyone goes at different paces, and they might, um, you know, they might not be they'll get there, but they ne- might not move as fast as we want them to. Um, uh, and sort of having that, you know, kind of like steady as she goes, you know, the tortoise versus the hare, kind of like eventually with enough repetition and sort of influence, you'll you'll um, you'll pivot. That's a good point too. So I love that sort of perspective shift as well, where it's one, knowing your audience and understanding how they process information. And maybe some people need to talk it out or, well, some people need really to take in that information and just kind of think about it for a little bit. Um, Love that perspective shift. But then also too, yeah, like us being the ones being open to change as well. It's not always just us who should be enacting the change, but we should also be receptive to change as well, which can be a little bit harder than just sort of being like, hey, we should do this. But when we're confronted with that same thing, it can be a little bit more difficult. Um, I always seem to have this great knack for accidentally stepping on toes where I have like an idea, but it's technically somebody else's job or like their role or their department. And then I sort of inadvertently create like territory turf wars, or at least I used to back in the agency that I worked with. So I learned uh, tread lightly and ask around first when you're new who does what and why, and they probably have a process that you just don't know about. But that's yeah. just me being excited and running and being like, I got an idea. I think, I think that's really cool, though. But I think that the organizations need to allow for that, right? Because there's very much a mentality of the sandbox. Um, but I think if you build in the culture of ideas can come from anywhere, and then there's clear ownership of who takes that idea as a handoff, that's a really good way to think about it because that way you encourage innovation from all sides. You can't assume that it's only going to come from one team anyway. So I think it's good to encourage that, you know, you've got this spectrum of team with many different experiences and all these different concepts that they experience the business and the brand and the product in different ways. 
encourage them to bring forth ideas, but then make sure that it ends up in the right path to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think this notion of coming in when you're new to an environment and being a listener first. So like you were saying, you know, asking questions about where does this sit? You know, what's the history? Um, it took me again, a while to learn that. And I think as you come into organizations, perhaps with a bit more responsibility out of the gates, um, you know, I've, I've come to learn that, you know, there's a degree, there's a couple things going on. One, I think there's, you know, that's not how we do it here. You don't know how we work. You know, you need to sort of watch first. Um, so you have to kind of like almost, almost let that deflate and kind of let people get used to you being there. <laughs> um, and that you're not going to change everything immediately. It's okay. Um, but um, also I think there's a bit of an implied, um, I guess, authority is a strong word, but like, hey, you came in in a role, we, you, know, you already have a degree of ability to make change. Like that's almost assumed. So it's almost like wield that power carefully. So then therefore don't come charging in like a bull in a China shop, you know, sort of take your time again, build those relationships, be a listener. I've actually, I actually hired someone recently and um, he's a good example of someone who's really done this well. And I've, I've been learning from him, you know, uh, kind of how to approach a new environment with a very humble kind of um, steady uh, mentality. And I think that's boding well for the rapport that he's building with his teams. Nice. So that actually is a great transition into my next question, which is you both have been in your current roles for quite some time. So once you kind of settle in, you get past the newness, how do you two both make sure that you're changing and evolving and growing constantly? So that way you're not sort of getting comfortable and you're open and accepting of new ideas. Is that something you find comes naturally to you or do you seek them out or do you rely on our teams? Like what's the best way for us to keep change happening and making sure that we're open and receptive? to it. Honestly, the, uh, we haven't really mentioned this yet, but, um, at the top of the episode, you know, Chuck and I have this podcast, social currency. We've been doing it for coming up on a year now, um, 35 plus episodes. And, you know, to be honest, this has actually been a really good forcing function for me to stay on top of things because, you know, there's that saying that's something to the effect of, if you can teach something, it's really, um, that's really the testament that you know it. And, and part of kind of what we're doing in our dialogue and our editorial um, for the podcast episodes is, you know, we're talking to each other and having a conversation, but we're, we're kind of hoping to be teachers, if you will, um, for those that want to listen and, and um, are, are interested in those topics. And so by virtue of having to research topics, you know, read articles, look at competitive analysis, you know, all those things, and then, then script it or sort of architect it into a, you know, some sort of organized outline that would become an episode that's really pushed me to stay on top of things. And I've, I've found that I've used a lot of our discussion on our podcast in my day-to-day work with my team here at Qualcomm. Tuck, how about you? Yeah, I'm just a ridiculous reader. I read so much stuff. Uh, it's something that Jess and I have laughed about that. Um, I, you know, I just consume a lot. I think, I think it's because I love the space. I love uh, the idea of what we're doing. I love the concept of it. And so um, I've always just spent a ton of time educating myself. I've had this mantra that since the beginning, I never liked an agency or a team outside of our team to know more than I did going into a meeting so I could call them out on you know anything. And I, it's maybe a little bit of a negative positioning, but it's helped force myself to stay current on topics so that I knew exactly what was going on. And that's really been a good mindset to travel. And I think 
I've encouraged the same of my team. So when you say like, does it come from your team as well? Absolutely. And that's where I think cross organizational ideas, there's by no measure do any of us know everything that's going on. And so I think it's helpful to encourage those, right? Like uh, my team, my, with my team, we have this thing called a lightning round and I'll put a topic up and say, next week, we're talking about this, come with all your ideas and we're just going to put them all on the whiteboard and figure it out. Um, and so it's a really good time for people to cross lines, you know, get dirty in the details, think about new things maybe they haven't thought of and really kind of co- you, you put those kind of sessions together and people start to bounce off each other. Things grow bigger than initial ideas. And so I think it's a really good way to, um, again, evolve and innovate. Nice. I love it. I'm actually, I think I might try that as well. That sounds like a fun one too. Um, well, Jessica and Tuck, thank you so much for being on the show today. Seriously, this was a fun episode. I always love talking about um, organizational change and making that happen, especially since in the world of content marketing and content, uh, change is happening all the time, especially in digital. I mean, things are never fixed. They're constantly changing. And so uh, really remembering to embrace that change, I think is always really important. Um, for everybody else um, who is listening and wants to catch up with you and see what else you have to say uh, in the world of social, where can they find you? And also, where can they find your podcast? So uh, the podcast is called Social Currency. You can find us at socialcurrencyshow.com. And then, of course, you can stream us on all the usual suspects, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, etc. So um, that's the podcast. And we try to publish uh, about every week. And, And again, it's aimed at kind of folks in marketing or um, uh, on the business side who maybe didn't grow up quote unquote digital natives, which many of us didn't. So want to stay on top of it without, um, you know, without having to ask questions perhaps at work where it's, uh, it's less of a safe environment to ask those questions. We, we hope to, to help them out there. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn at Jessica K. Jensen. I'll echo Jessica's comments because uh, we're definitely building the podcast to focus on more of that leadership type of role, whether you're an entrepreneur or, you know, all the way up to CEO to really think about, you know, as you're thinking about your strategy, how does digital affect that? How does social affect that? How does content affect that? And really evolve your business. Um, even if you don't know everything that's going on, we're going to help you keep up with that. So, um, so it's been a lot of fun doing that. I think um, for myself, you can find me tuckross.com, also at tuckross on pretty much every social platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and so forth. So that's where I'm at. Nice. All right, everybody go follow Jessica and Tuck and stick around because now that we've gotten to know the professional side of them, we are going to get to know the personal side. So everybody stick around and we have some fun questions after this. Hey everyone. I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash J is awesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash J is awesome. All right. Hey, everybody. So now that we got to know Jessica and Tuck, we are going to ask them a couple of fun questions or at least one fun question. So are you both ready for your fun question? Let's do it. Let's do it. 
All right. So I know that you both are incredibly, incredibly busy um, in your days, but when you do finally get the time to unwind and sit down and binge watch something on Netflix or Hulu, uh, what is your binge watching show of choice? Talk, you go first. Uh, you know, I got, I'm just a huge comic book nerd. So I will go to every Marvel. I'll watch like, you know, John Wick's my new thing. And so I'm, I'm always just like big into stories. I love the stories behind them. It's probably why I'm in marketing because I love the narrative of a brand and all that. But um, I'll just sit down and, and I'll rewatch a movie that I've seen, you know, eight times again, just because there's a good story behind it. My kids and I are just starting the the Star Wars trilogy. So it's um it's really fun to just uh get deep in 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 a different space uh that is completely outside of what we do every day. Yeah, it is nice to have that escapism. Also, real quick note, I also saw the most recent John Wick. And the thing that I think I love most about that series is it doesn't try to be anything but what it is, which is like amazing pure action flick. There's like almost no plot, almost no dialogue. It's just fun. And I have to respect it. I'm absolutely that. obsessed. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely counter is such an amazing guy. And, oh, well, and by the way, yeah. John Wick 4 was greenlit that weekend. So, you that know, is, there's going to be another one. So that is here we crazy. go. Uh, yeah, Keanu Reeves is definitely the internet's boyfriend right now. He's having a moment again. <laughs> um, yes. Jessica, what about you? Um, so I don't watch a ton of TV. Um, my husband and I both like a show called Catastrophe, uh, which is on Ooh. Amazon. Yeah, he's actually an agency guy from the U.S. She's British and they... Um, one night stand turns into like a whole family and kids and all kinds of other stuff. And it's just, they're actually, I think the writers, the, the two main characters are the writers. So it just, it's well done. So we like that. It's kind of lighthearted, funny. Um, the one that I uh, binge watch, which is rare for me to do, um, and that is 100% um, my jam right now is Handmaid's Tale. Uh-huh. And I know it's heavy and it's not for everyone. And I'm not a dystopia person. Normally <laughs> I don't read that kind of stuff or watch that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's based on the Margaret, Margaret Atwood novel. Um, the very first season was, which I read. And then now we're into season three. What's kind of cool is Margaret Atwood actually is a producer on set from what I understand. So she's actually consulting and helped craft season two and season three, even though they're way after the book that she actually wrote uh, back in the day. So. Um, Love Elizabeth Moss. She's, you know, she's Peggy from Mad Men, which I also adored. And I just, it's just a, such a art-directed, well-written, thoughtful series um, that also, you know, breaks my heart. So I, I watched that. Agreed with all of the above. And I think the thing I love most too about that is, is as you had already mentioned, the acting is superb. Like, I forget that Elizabeth Moss was Peggy. Like, you know, sometimes you still associate actors with like their previous roles. Like, I forget that she ever was Peggy in a previous life. Like it's nuts how good the acting on that show is. And yeah, a little heavy. So maybe, you know, go watch The Handmaid's Tale and then cleanse your palate with a little like John Wick action. So, right. you know, yeah, it's, it's a good balance. And enjoy a beverage while you're, while you're watching. That helps. Several. always fantastic well Jessica and Tuck thank you so much again for being on this was really fantastic and fun and thank you so much um, for giving away all of your amazing tips and tricks for how to keep change going within organizations Um, everybody else thank you so much for tuning in we will be back next week with another episode um, and Randy Frisch will be joining us once again so everybody until next time thank you Jessica and Tuck 
This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.